recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, Martial Culture Podcast, your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with Coach Rene Dreyfus and Matt Peters. Bring the bell and let's get it on. Welcome back to the Martial Culture Podcast. I am Matt Peters. He is Coach Rene. Together we are the Martial Culture Podcast. Great to see you, Matt. Welcome back, Renee. Glad to be here, as always. We're we're warming up to uh, episode number eleven. Eleven, killing it. Wonderful, making it past that that number ten. We're here to stay. We're staying solid. We got our time slot locked in every week. This time, three thirty, three forty-five. Yes. Yeah, so some people were wondering why we're not on last week. It was a misunderstanding. The scheduling snafu. The scheduling snafu. Uh, and we will start adding uh, a video element to the shows uh, at some point. Hi, guys. Um, we may also uh, stream live on fa- on YouTube uh, or Facebook. Cool. You, you have a big following on Facebook on the Radical MMA's website. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't say big. I'm not like, you know, um, Joe Rogan or something like that. But, you know, we have a good, we have a good following. We can all aspire yeah. to be more like Joe Rogan. No, uh, you have a lot more than, than some people. So yes. maybe we'll, we'll throw the video up there and your, your students and fans can check us Definitely out. Definitely on Martial Culture Podcast Facebook page as well. I yeah. Mean, that's our. Facebook page, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, we're we're doing okay. okay there as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, a lot of action in the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, there was uh, Brunson versus Jacare last week, and then there was uh, Machida versus Anders, and Shevchenko fought um, uh, Kashuera uh, last night too. Um, some interesting fights, and you know, I think uh, things we want to talk about. Um, Definitely, uh, some, some really interesting, interesting technical battles. And, you know, the last podcast we were talking about how, um, striking was improving. And, uh, one area of martial arts, which, uh, or MMA, I should say, where I feel like there's a lot more to go is, um, is the clinch. Now, definitely the wrestling is there, but a, a, a combination of wrestling techniques, judo techniques, and striking at the same time. Now, of course, we have Thai clinch, which is which is great, and we have Greco-Roman clinch, which is basically takedowns. And and but putting them together in in a seamless manner is something you don't see too much. And I, th- I think I mentioned that too, um, podcast. There's a lot of areas that that can that can that can be improved, but mm-hmm. but uh, definitely one of the fights that I saw um, last week was the Jacare Brunson uh, fight, and you saw. Some beautiful judo from, um, Frank Camacho, who, who is a judo guy. And you saw two takedowns. One was a simple foot sweep called Ashibarai. It's like day one judo, but he just did it and boom, he took the guy down. And another one was the, was, um, kind of like a, when judo is called an ukiwaza, it looked like a trip. It actually, when the commentators talked, said it looked like a trip, but really basically was this really nice off balancing. And he set him up with some nice strikes and things like that. So it was nice to see, um, uh, right, nice, nice to see some um, some good judo. Uh, unfortunately, uh, his opponent, um, or fortunately, his opponent uh, uh, Dober was really, really good, and he kept digging into the liver, and we've seen that a lot lately. And um, Camacho had great heart, but um, you know, kind of didn't go his way. And it was definitely a southpaw. We see this a lot lately. Last night, you saw two southpaw versus orthodox, where from those position. Body shots are really open. Um, so that was, that was an interesting fight last week. I, I uh, recommend people tr- check it out. Um, 
And um, but the uh, last card that Jacare versus Brunson was was a uh, had some amazing fights. That was one. There was uh, this is the newcomer, uh, Gregor uh, Gregor uh, Gillespie. He is um really good, and it's not like his opponent Rinaldi was a was a you know an opponent, a kind of a just someone to you know just be there to to push him up. The guy Rinaldi was very good, really really good um grappling from both of them. But uh, Gillespie had a phenomenal uh, transition from striking to uh, to grappling, and then right into mount. And while Rinaldi had a very good mount defense, and when I'm saying mount defense, I mean MMA mount defense, is that he was mounted, and as he was escaping, he did not eat any shots. He really escaped in a trained manner, which we haven't seen a lot, where he was blocking punches as he escaped. However, Rinaldi just warmed down, warmed down, and went. Exactly like last night's fight with Shevchenko, where he went to that basic jujitsu positional dominance. It was mount, strikes, back, and he had to do that over and over again, back and forth, back and forth, but finally he got the back mount finish, and, and he just, he, Gillespie dominated. This guy is going places. Beautiful, beautiful technique. Great fighter. Can't wait to see him fight again. Really, um, Really great, great uh, fighter, and he's from the New York area. So you know, I know you like uh, to 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 uh, support the New York guys. So he's he's um he he was he was really nice. Um, there was a couple wars, but but uh, we'll skip over some of the other ones. Um, uh, there was Bermuda's another New York fighter, but there was um there was an interesting interesting battle of range where you saw one person trying to uh, use leg kicks um uh to to stop you know the the boxing and and it was successful it was really really interesting fight with Bermudez and and Feely but you know really everybody wants to talk about the Jacare Brunson fight which thought everything people thought it would be more competitive and Jacare just hit Brunson so hard with that kick I didn't see did you see the highlight no, no oh man it was a beautiful just kick to the back of the head and um it was it was just perfect timing uh I think Jacare has had some some Setbacks lately, you know, he fought Yo Romero, he fought Whitaker, he didn't win, and this fight, he just proved that he's in the mix, and mm. it was a very short fight. Um, back and forth, back and forth. Brunson has just, it's true, he has better boxing than Jacare, but Jacare had good timing, and, um, noticed that Brunson was not maybe, you know, and I talk about this before, I've said it many times, a lot of guys block like boxers. And which means is they bring their hands up to their temple, and that's how they block a punch. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you know, you're used to 10 ounce or 12 ounce or 14 or 16 ounce gloves. And when you go to that area, then it's, it's enough. Also, punching the back of the head is illegal. However, kicking the back of the head from, uh, from, you know, uh, a standing position is absolutely legal. And, uh, what uh, what Jacare did was, I think he noticed that he was blocking partially. And if you notice the video, and I'll see if I can post it. I actually meant to post it. But you notice the video. Brunson actually blocks the kick. He has his hand up. It's not like Jacare caught him hand down. But he has a hand up, but it's not high enough. Mm-hmm. And Jacare's kick went right around the back of the neck and knocked him right out. And wow. that was it. It Hit was over. Yeah. Right in the button. That was it. It was just right over. So that was last week. Wow. And then this week... um, which was uh the comeback of Machida and everybody's kind of counting him out he had um a long layoff because of the um uh performance enhancing issues which was really not 
a real thing. He was uh doing some sort of you say he turned himself in for that. Yeah, he I turned himself in, and it was week. like D H E A or something like that. I forgot yeah. what it was, but it wasn't like he was taking decadrabaline. Mm-hmm. And he had that thing, but he came back, and they had a cat and mouse, you know, typical Machida fight where either he gets a knockout or it's this cat and mouse scoring thing. And and he proved against a a game opponent that he he was there. However, and I I started. You know, in, in karate in 1975. And, and, you know, definitely when there's a karate guy in the UFC, it's very nice to see it being represented. But let me tell you, Machida took a lot of hits in that fight. Mm-hmm. And while he outscored Anders, he fights with his hands down all the time. And there's a couple times where he was rocked and it was toughness that got him through. Toughness is not technique and it's going to come back to haunt him. Hmm. He's got to, you know, keep those hands up and he's, as he gets older, I mean, he's going to be 40. Speed is going to decrease. And this is what happened with Roy Jones Jr., who is, you know, an amazing boxer. But Roy Jones Jr. in the boxing world was, he was this kind of a, a speed fighter and he broke the rules. You know, he'd fight with his hands down. He'd this, but he was so fast, people couldn't touch him until he lost the speed. And, um, then he just couldn't compete. And, and I'm thinking Machida is a very, you know, speed, he's a very risky style because his, his chin is a little up and his hands are down, hmm. which is not the best That's place to not be. Not a long-term plan. Not a long-term plan. No, hmm. no, that is not good, good, good fundamentals. And, you know, he got away with it because he's so fast and so hmm. good. But when you're 40 years old, and I think, honestly, even though he won, probably time to hang up the gloves will be coming soon. You know, maybe not in a year, but you know, but you know, he's not going to be fighting and being in the mix or he'll stay in it for a little too long and, um, yeah, you know, suffer sad. brain damage, which, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, that's happens with fighters. But, you know, I don't know if you heard, there was a big controversy last night, um, with the Shevchenko fight, mm-hmm. which it was, uh, I believe it was 273 strikes to five. Wow. It was terrible. And Dana White posted about it and, um, he, he, he talked about it is again, Shevchenko, um, completely outmatched Cachoeira. And it's interesting because Shevchenko is originally a Thai fighter, but she is one of the few people who come from a very strong Thai background to really, really embrace grappling. So she had two beautiful inside trips, beautiful where she put the leg behind the girl and just slammed her to the canvas, then unleashed a hellacious volley of elbows from the guard, cut her open like crazy, um, passed the guard, got to mount, and like I was saying with the, the Gillespie fight, um, took the back and just dominated from the mount and the back, and Cachoeira had just no answer. She was grounding, pounding her from everywhere. And there was a real problem with Cachoeira because she was, gra- she was not defending the guard properly. Like she, there's a way to grip, where um you'll be open to elbows and there's a way to grip where you're not. And she did not understand the difference. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to see, uh, guys, for our listeners, but if you grab a wrist with your hand facing your opponent, thumb down, you can the opponent can come over for an elbow. You have to grab like your – I like I call it the Darth Vader force choke where, you know, you go like this and, yeah, come on, give me a choke. <laughs> you're making me nervous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you go like this, but you hold the wrist this way. And, and this way, and it makes elbows much harder. Yeah. She was doing the, the, the other grip and she had very loose head control and, um, she just ate so many elbows. Mm-hmm. Then she got put in top crucifix, 
uh, which again, I always talk about is a great position. It's exactly what, um, Cormier did to, uh, mm-hmm. um, the, the Swiss guy. Uh, oh crap. I can't remember his yeah, name. Uh, yeah. I can't pronounce it. That's, um, any of the Swiss guy, <laughs> the bald Swiss guy. Yeah, okay. But he put him, uh, um, uh, in top crucifix and she went mount, back mount, perfect, absolute perfect positioning. But I'll be honest with you, by the time she got to the back mount, Kashwara was done. Mm-hmm. She was done. She ate. 20, 271 strikes. Yeah. And, um, this is, this is the problem is that it, my wife and I were watching the fight and we're like, this should be stopped. Mm-hmm. This should be stopped. This is bad. This is getting really dangerous when you're eating that many elbows. And it got, it hovered on the point of not being safe. And it was, it was not, I mean, that was, it was truly kind of like the old days blood sport where Somebody's going to get really hurt. Right. And I think either, you know, uh, Dana White said Mario Amazaki should never ref again. Really? Yeah, that's wow. what he said. And, you know, I'm not here to to say one way or another. And sometimes, you know, I think um, is, is y- y- you know, you, you can be swayed by the crowd because, of course, it was a Brazilian crowd and they're, they're you know, kind of rooting for the Brazilian to do better. Or you think that, you know, you're there, you think that she's defending, and she was, she was moving. So there's something to be said for that. It wasn't like she ever stopped moving, mm-hmm. but she was not intelligently defending herself. And it was just, um, it was just terrible, terrible reffing. And there was another fight that night too, um, and it was the opposite. And, and there was a, a standing for what looked to be almost no reason. Uh, Prazeres, uh, who's a Brazilian fighter, was on top of Desmond Green, and he had a great position. What we call like the Eric Paulson in my academy where you, the guy's just wrapped up. And for no reason that I could tell, I think the, the referee was saying that, uh, Prazer hit the back of the head, but you know, it, a lot of times you get hit the guy in the back of the head and it's the guy moving his fault, you know, cause he's moving and he puts his head there. Mm-hmm. According to the rules I understand, if you aim for the back of the head, it's, do you, that's, a, that's not good. But if you move, if you're hitting somewhere and the guy moves and you accidentally hit him back at it's okay. And that's what it was exactly going with his opponent Green. And, and, and I didn't even see that the head fight. I don't even know why the first stand-up happened. But he was in a kill position and the referee just stood them up standing. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Mm. Action was happening. It was complete, very action. And, 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 and he was in a game, almost, almost in a game over position and the ref just stands him up. And I'm like, what? And it was, it was just a night of just questionable, questionable refereeing, which was, a shame, you know. People don't realize that UFC does not control the referees right. anymore. Yeah. They used to, but the referees are sanctioned by um, gaming commission. Gaming commission, exactly know. right. And some of the referees, and I won't, I won't say names. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not exactly against Mario Yamazaki. I haven't seen enough to see that he was a good ref or bad ref, but definitely that that fight should have been stopped. And this one was, um, uh, uh, I forgot the referee in the Prazeres fight. He's Mark Cannon or something, something like that. I forgot his name. Um, but this is bad, but I haven't seen if he's a bad ref overall. I don't think so. But there are instances of refereeing that are really poor. And what I do notice is that there's no, there's no like, okay, we'll learn from this mistake and the referees go back and let's not have this again. I don't think they're, the commissions do any sort of post-mortem mm-hmm. on, on fights. You know, they're, they're kind of not really doing their job. So you could say this is Mario Yamazaki's fault, but honestly, uh, the commissions are now in charge of the refs. So there has to be these post-mortems, um, 
going over how to keep fighters safe or how to let the fight more play out. And there's there's been a lot of weird, really questionable, questionable breaks and stand-ups and no consistency between mm-hmm. refs. Yeah. So imagine you have this ref. You know this is going to go this way. He's going to ref like this. Oh, this ref's going to – that's not really what it should be. Yeah, can they train to the refs? Right, you right, know, yeah. This one yeah. has a history of stopping early. If I get a couple hits in, am I gonna, I'm going to get an easy win. You know, I, I remember I was one fighter. I think it was Conor McGregor. I'm not really sure. I don't remember which one. But I remember hearing it was one fighter. They were in negotiations. And he said, I will fight this opponent, whatever. But you have to make sure it's not this referee. Mm-hmm. And he said he would not sign the contract until he was guaranteed that it wasn't that referee. And I'm like, huh, interesting. Because he was so like... This referee is just so bad, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I, f- I forget what referee it was, but, but if it's, if it's that, that bad, you know, there has to be something done. If you're talking about refereeing to make the fighters safe, then you should, you, you should do that. And on a personal note, you know, I had one fight where I lost and, um, at the time I was not very happy, of course, but the referee who's in the, in the ring with me was a great referee. So actually was a friend of mine and he stopped me from getting hurt. Of course, I was like, at the time, I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I was sure. not fine. I was not fine at all. But, uh, but, uh, you know, the referee made the call and it's funny because he was a friend of mine. And, you know, you think maybe he would let, let me fight a little bit. No, no, but he was, uh, really good fair ref and he stopped it and stopped mm-hmm. me from getting getting hurt more for the, the one yeah. fight that didn't go my way um uh so you know it's an it's a it's a it's a serious issue and um fighter safety and i know you wanted to talk about um uh uh the new zealand guy uh, mark hunt, hunt and yeah. talk about fighter safety because the ufc did you told me ufc made a call on on pulling him from cards for a while i was not aware so you maybe you want to explain that situation. yeah so mark hunt uh he's in the the upcoming I think the next UFC event, he's going to be not the main event, but the co-main event for his uh, heavyweight, uh, Mark Hunt. Um, a couple months ago, he was, or it might have been like six months ago at this point, he was slated to uh, fight in one of the, the UFC main events, Fight Night, I think. And uh, he had been quoted in an, in an online magazine uh, in an interview, and he said that he was he was fine with dying in the ring. And he, like, saying that leave it all in the, in the ring and do all, he wasn't saying that. He was saying he was fine with being killed or dying in the ring, like in a fight. And that was fine with him. And, and that statement is not like crazy. Like, you know, it's, it's fine, but it, it triggered something in the UFC that they don't want to put themselves in a liability where someone's going to fight to the point where they die. Because if somebody dies in the ring in the UFC, that's going to change mixed martial arts in a big way. There hasn't been a death yet. Oh, no, there has. There have been deaths later yeah. after they like, right, find right. out they have an injury. But if somebody literally... Oh, drops dead in the ring. You know, right. gets their yeah, head... Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, there was there was one in Russia where he just died. I mean, he went into a coma, but he's basically he was basically dead, the one in Russia, like yeah. uh, 20, 25 years ago. But was that in the UFC? No, no, not okay. the UFC. Because so the UFC true. is uh, at right. this other level. Right, We're right, all eyes true, on true. them. Yeah. So I think if if people are looking for a reason to, to ban mixed martial arts, I mean, it's just recently got, last year or the year before in New York State, become legal. So they pulled the plug on Mark Hunt and they said, you need to take a break. You need to go see a psychologist. You need to, We need to get you not only physically cleared, but mentally cleared mm. so that you're coming into this ring uh, in the right frame of mind. Um, and I guess he got cleared because he's back. Um, I definitely would agree with their situation that they need to protect themselves. I don't think that he was suicidal no, or going in no, there trying no, to kill himself, no, no. but you got to be wary of that, those kind of things that people are coming in here with the wrong frame of mind. Well, you know, 
I have an interesting perspective on this, and I I would suspect, though I have no proof, this is just my opinion, that I wish Jilson were here too, because um, we we could we could talk a lot about this. You know, Jilson and I we have a kind of a warrior ethos. But mm-hmm. anyway, let me let me say, um, I suspect that the UFC only did that for legal reasons. If someone honestly dropped dead right there in the ring or fought to the point of death, I think at this point um, there's so many. Um, the UFC so, it's so, uh, part of our cultural landscape now. It's too big. To it's too, it's too institutionalized. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, I was alive for the, the, uh, Mancini Duke Kim, you know, death in boxing in the eighties and where he, he killed, he killed him in the ring. Actually, I don't know if he dropped dead exactly in the ring, but pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. And then there was, there was a, the Madison Square Garden one where the guy was complaining. Like, who cares if he drives in the ring or like 10 minutes later? Yeah. There was the, the Russian guy. I think it was the Russian, but you know, kind of former Soviet Union Republic guy. There was a whole New York Times expose on it where, you know, he couldn't get medical help. He was cleared by a doctor, but, um, didn't, you know, the doctor was like not really paying attention. Mm-hmm. Then he could, he was trying to get into a cab and they tried to get him to a hospital. By the time they got to a hospital, uh, he was basically dead. And, um, what happened to boxing? Nothing. You know, it's not really, you know, maybe a couple of regulation changes, but, um, you know, when it's so institutionalized and, and so part of our cultural landscape, I don't think it's going away. However, obviously, fighter safety is a, an important deal, whether you're dealing with the refereeing and training, training refs. And while I'm glad that the, there are commissions, um, what I have seen is on the amateur level and on the professional level is very often commissions not doing their job in terms of fighting safety and they just take money not all commissions but some one i won't say which one but we fought under a commission and uh one of our fighters was being ref by a ref who just didn't seem to be paying attention to what was obviously an illegal blow mm-hmm. to the back of the head to the to the back of the head really hard illegal mm-hmm. blow and um you know didn't do anything and i i'm like how do you not see this illegal blow uh, and, uh, it, it, it was just a, p- a very poor rest, ref, very, very poor ref. And, um, you can see it at the amateur level. You can see it at the professional level. As I said, I was very lucky that I fought under, um, refs who were really well trained. The funny thing was when I was fighting in New York, uh, MMA was in this quasi illegal status. So most of my fights were, you know, what we call underground, which is, you know, silly to call it that. But fighting at the docks, bare knuckle boxing. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> you know, but but it was not regulated. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't like, you know, Jean Claude Van Damme in the parking lot, you know, <laughs> in uh, Lionheart. No, it wasn't like that. But it, but it's funny because we we were all martial artists banding together, and we were on to test ourselves, and we were not there for. Uh, money or fame or anything like that. What we were fighting for was technique and, 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 uh, your own personal martial code. Yeah. Testing your metal, your, your, what you had. And at the same time, with the promoter at that time was Peter Storm. I fought most of my fights under him. And while he's, you know, he's kind of a controversial figure, he ran a great show and, uh, 
very, very few, very few serious injuries, very few, mm -hmm. and kept things really safe. I have to say, unfortunately, I was the reason for one of the serious injuries. I in inflicted some serious... <laughs> you would always <laughs> joke that, yeah, if it weren't for you, uh, yeah. we would have a much better safety record. <laughs> but I had one fight where I was... I, I kind of gave a guy a really bad concussion, but the ref wasn't bad at all. It was just it was just a very fast fight, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I got kind of lucky in the position. Uh, and it was a great opponent. It just, uh, just happened that way. Um, but... Um, but, uh, you know, very, very, um, really well run and not regulated at all. And now since regulation in New York, and I've seen this, the, the level of fighters, one is much lower in mm. terms of skill. Interesting. Much lower because they're, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel and, um, the professionalism of the fighters and their coaches and the, the organizations tends to be a little bit lower. Depending on the organization, there's some good out there too, but there's a lot of people like I don't. How are these people two fighting in front of a ring? These people are terrible. One of them is going to get really, really hurt. How are these people in a ring? I, I've said that many times. They're just absolutely terrible. And the ref looks like he's checking his, you know, Instagram. <laughs> you know, this is just really, really dangerous. So in the unregulated days, it was much safer. Mm -hmm. It really was. Now it's regulated. So they're like self-regulating themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a little, yeah. cause now it's professional. Yeah. It's yeah. open to everybody. Or the even the amateur. Open. Yeah, but the floodgate open. It's, it's legal. I'm talking about the amateur circuit that I've seen. Yeah. But, um, the refs, many of the refs are really not properly trained. The, the promoter wants anybody, wants a body. Yeah. So they're throwing fighters in and who shouldn't be in. And you know, how long are you trained? Oh, a couple months. What? Mm -hmm. MMA, a couple months. I don't let my guys in my academy fight MMA. So they train for years. Mm -hmm. They have to have good solid foundation of grappling and, and striking and this, you know. Yeah, that's really shocking yeah. to hear that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not plugged into the MMA community yeah. in New York, but it's really shocking to hear that. Is it, Like, who are some of the big promoters in, in New York that have the great organizations? Is there ones that you want to give shout outs to? Or Yeah, you know, um, there, there are a few. We've, we fought um, uh, in, actually, I don't know the name they're using right now because it used to be, um, I think they still use the name Triumph. Mm -hmm. And they fought in Madison Square Garden, and my student Chad fought on that. That's a that's a really good promotion, mm -hmm. really professional and um, well, just well run. Um, there's uh, uh, we're fighting uh, coming up in a show uh, up um, near where you were, uh, XCP. Um, seems like a pretty good show, though. I've never personally fought in it, but uh, we'll see. But it seems like very well. One of my uh, students. Who's a friend of mine? His name's Rich Colado. Fought in the show. Uh, he trains grappling with me, but striking somewhere else. And um, uh, but he he fought in the show and had nothing but good things to say. But I actually have never sent fighters and gone personally, but mm -hmm. has a great reputation. Uh, aggressive combat championships um, has always been a stalwart in um, New York area, and uh, looking forward to supporting them again. I have not sent fighters to them yet, uh, but I'm looking forward to to, to fighting with them. But, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I, I think every show, sometimes you look at a couple of fights like, hmm, yeah, you just had to fill out that card. <laughs> you know, that was bad. Um, you, needed a, you needed a body. You needed a six Yeah, minutes. yeah, it's really bad. And mm -hmm. then, you know, going back to what you were saying about Mark Hunt, um, but I'll tell you what my mentality was. Mm -hmm. And I totally understand where he's coming from. So, you know, I, I've been doing martial arts for a long time. And it's... Uh, my student G said the same thing. Uh, we were interviewing him, uh, for a possible TV spot in a documentary. And he got interviewed and he said, uh, it's, I don't fight because I want to. 
I fight because I have to. It's something in me that propels me to test myself, my metal, who I am as a martial artist. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that fighter ethos. And I was very proud of him to say that. I said, yeah, I was the same way. When I fought, it's like I didn't have a choice. If the UFC didn't exist, the MMA didn't exist, I probably would have found some way to do that same thing mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a more, you know, protean form, you know? Yeah. Um, because I didn't martial arts so long. And I'll tell you, the very first fight I signed up for, didn't tell anybody, uh, so except my coaches and stuff. I mean, my personal, you know, family or anything like that. And I went to a lawyer and I said, okay, uh, gotta settle my affairs. Cause I actually fought under Valley Tudo rules, which is very different from MMA, um, stomping, uh, groin shots, you know, everything, everything's in. So we were fighting a much more expansive, like the old UFC rules. Everything is in except biting and eye gouging. And, um, went and had my will done. And I said, you know, I'm going to leave it all in the, in the ring. And, you know, if I die, I die. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like that was, that was my intention going in there. It was incredibly serious. And I said, I will, I'm, will, if I die, I die. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave it, everything out there. And I think Mark Hunt was the same. And Hicks and Gracie said the same thing. He's like, I am prepared to die when mm-hmm. I fight. So I don't think Mark Hunt is crazy. It's just part of that warrior ethos that you can never take away from them. Now, of course, mental health and things like that are very important. That's another issue. But the fighters will never protect themselves. We're just go. It's the coaches, mm-hmm. the refs, and the promoters responsible because the fighter is just fight. Go. Mm-hmm. And, and like we're talking about, um, Machida, you know, uh, there's a number of fighters in Bellator who the UFC retired because like, like, look, yeah. for your own safety, you gotta stop. And I respect them because they could have been draws too. And they, they retired like Chel Sonnen. It's like, not that great. Mm-hmm. And, and, but he's a big draw. Mm-hmm. So, but they're like, look, you're not that good. You should retire. And then unfortunately he kept fighting in Bellator, mm. but you know, they cut him for his own safety. And at the, at their own expense, of course, obviously the UFC is a big moneymaker, but you know, there's a, a side where they are thinking of fighter safety and you can see it with the hunt thing. Mm-hmm. They're like, dude, get your head straight. You know, make sure you're not, mm-hmm. you're not, um, insane, which I don't think he is. No, no, no. And, and obviously they're cutting their bases legally in, yeah. in terms of liability, yeah. but fighter safety has to come from the, the organization, the promoter, the referee in the ring and the coach. And, um, we're lacking that a little bit now, mm-hmm. in the especially in the amateur level. So I think that that me not being a fighter and not having that that experience, reading Mark Hunt's quote is taken in a different direction. You know, I look at it and say, "Oh, Mark Hunt, don't don't die in the ring. We want you to <laughs> we want you to live many many years to come." Um, and then a warrior's perspective is like the the old the old Spartan way. If I die in battle. Or, you know, the Vikings, if I die in battle, that's the greatest honor. Yes. So if he goes to war and he gives everything he has and it ends up taking his life, that's fine with him. Yeah. Because he left it all on the mat. Exactly. So thank you for, for kind of getting that in my head because I, now I see the other side right. and I can understand that he's not crazy. He's a warrior. And UFC has to protect themselves legally, so they say step back, take a yeah. couple of minutes, get cleared by a, a psychiatrist or, or some sort of doctor, but he's not wrong. He's a different kind of person. Right. Also, I don't know if you know his background, but he's a Maori. Uh, yeah, such warrior the, yeah, spirit. Very, yeah. very, very serious warrior culture. Mm-hmm. And to this day, it's like you could talk that Japanese have that samurai ethos, but obviously – their average Japanese person doesn't say, I go to war every day, you know, but, but the, mm-hmm. the Maori people, their tribal, uh, culture, 
um, my, my sister actually lived in New Zealand for a while and, you know, just talking with her, understanding what New Zealand's like. Obviously, she's not Maori and neither am I. And I don't have any Maori friends, but, you know, what you can see that they're, they're, Fighting spirit is very, very important to them, mm-hmm. and and it, it's it's preserved from their traditional culture, and uh, and so he's coming at it's it's a it's a cultural aspect for mm-hmm. him as well, you know. Uh, but I think it's it's universal, like you said, it's the Spartans, it's the samurai, it's the the um, even even you know uh, I, I can the the, the the Native American or, or Aztec warrior culture. This, you know, every culture has their like mm-hmm. we talk with hero's journey. But you have to go into hell to to truly be reborn as a warrior. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, sometimes the, you don't come back, you know. And uh, and that's you know that's the way it is. Uh, so the warrior spirit, yeah, they're, they're different. They're built differently. Yeah. That being Super said, sure. you know, Mark Hunt has taken a lot of blows to the head. True. So um, it was very smart the UFC to get him evaluated psychologically because there are. Um, Correlations between head trauma and, and I don't want to say mental disease, but you know, heightened aggression, risk taking, mm-hmm. depression, uh, yeah, depression, um, suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people, like, there was that football player who, who, um, didn't he kill himself and he had, they had tremendous brain trauma. Which football player? <laughs> no, <but laughs> Unfortunately, they, yeah. there's a lot of them that but have he gone did kill, that there way. was, yeah, there was a football player, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. where, you know, uh, he took his own life and then they did a, a biopsy in his brain and he had tr- tremendous, so uh, encephalopathy, yeah. you know, which is drama, trauma to the brain. So obviously there's a correlation between, I mean, you know, th- th- you can draw a correlation between mm-hmm. head trauma and mental health so that the UFC took the time to say, Hey, see a psychiatrist, check yourself out is, is while obviously there's probably some self-serving element there. Uh, it's not a bad thing to do by any means, mm-hmm. you know, and I respect their position. And a lot of the, while Dana White gets a lot of flack from a lot, for a lot of reasons, uh, I, I think you're right. He doesn't want to see anybody die in the, mm-hmm. in the octagon. He doesn't want to be responsible. He doesn't want it to be that blood sport that it used to be. He wants to be a, a, a sport that can continue sustainably and, and generally consider fighter safety. Uh, which is why I think he, he was so adamant about how terrible the Shevchenko refing was, and it was really bad. I mean, it it was uh, fighter safety. You kind of go in there. The fighters don't take care of themselves. They're going to keep fighting. And and Kashuera, she was a she was a warrior. She's great heart. She there was no quit in her. Mm-hmm. But she just took a beating. And I can talk, point to a number of fights like that where you're like, ah, that should have been stopped a little bit early. Mm-hmm. And you know, honestly, as a fan, a lot of people get angry and they're like, oh, that was an early stoppage. Well, let's err a little bit on the side of earliness yeah. to sure. make sure nobody, you know, gets seriously. And we talk about death, but honestly, the, the level of brain trauma, which you don't see is really much more pernicious. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you have a death, but if you let fighters continue on as, as just a general policy, you know, you're going to have a league of people who are in their forties and fifties are not going to be speaking straight. Yeah. And that's basically what boxing is. Yeah. That's why I really don't support boxing. I, uh, I, I have a love of, uh, of the technique of boxing, but the sport itself is just, you know, 90% brain trauma. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's funny coming from a martial arts instructor, but there's just fighter safety is not something that, you know, Bob Arum is ever thinking about. He's like, how can I make more money? Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
So, you know, that's where I stand on that. And, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a complicated issue. It is. We're, we're not going to solve it in an hour. No. <laughs> but there not. should be some sort of level, more, more oversight in the, the referee community. Um, have they ever looked at, has there ever been in a, a fight that's stopped or, or something like that and then they go back and reverse it? Like, there's no, like, instant replay. Cause, I mean, obviously it's fighting. It's different than football and baseball and stuff like that. But I wonder if there's any, any, room for that now there have been fights where it was a win which they went back and they saw that it was a legal blow and mm-hmm. was overturned and became a no contest mm-hmm. um and um the uh I, I was john jones fight like that or was it no contest right away it was this referee stoppage no contest i think it was it was right right away right yeah. away right yeah but i know there was one where it was a win and they overturned it, it became a no contest mm-hmm. uh, maybe even more than one but um so there probably is some review, but I generally think uh that comes from the loser's coach. <laughs> He's like, wait a minute, yeah, that was that illegal. Place. Right, right. Um Interesting. Uh I, I think there should be a required post mortem of every fight or you know, that happens, like mm-hmm. a video post mortem. Yeah. Uh but the commissions don't seem to be, you know, um up to the task in terms of manpower or personnel. Is or there a fighter union? That can, no. Can, no, there's and, no union. There's some moves towards that, but there's yeah. no union. Because it seems like there should be some sort of group on their side that's asking for these things to happen. Because nobody, who is going to force the gaming commission to have better better regulations or better training or or whatever they need for those referees? If they don't need to do it, they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. You hope that they're going to do it out of the kindness of their hearts. But if it yeah. costs them money, no. Well, you know, that's the thing about Dana White. And I'm definitely, he's a controversial figure. But um, he's instituted a lot of things like P- PED testing mm-hmm. that cost the UFC a lot of money and actually probably hurts its product. Because yeah. honestly, if everybody's roided out, it's much more entertaining. You know, as, but like the early wise. 90s, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, so you have to say that, that these moves towards that were were not self-serving. Um but, uh, uh, you know, fighters union, yeah, it's, it's an interesting concept. There's no, there's no, um, there's no groundswell for, for that I see in that, in that. I mean, there's some movement, but there's no real groundswell pushing towards a fighters yeah. union at this point. I know Nate, Nate, um, Quarry is a very vocal supporter of the concept of fighters union. He's an uh, ex MMA fighter who's very, very critical of the UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, I've met him once. He's a fantastic guy. Um, and, um, but he's very, very vocal critic of the UFC and makes good points. Um, but so far, uh, the UFC and Bellator and all the other fight leagues don't, don't have that in there. Now, um, but in terms of the commissions, they are regulated by the state. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can make some legal changes to the way the sport is oriented. Say they're mandatory video check or mandatory this that you could make in a legislative form that I guess wouldn't have to come from a union mm-hmm. could come from just the sport itself. Yeah. And, um, I know I've heard a few things that one thing that I'm really, uh, in, in, intrigued by is the difference in the weight cutting, because that's another fighter safety thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you notice, um, the, uh, uh, we're actually in the fight. I mentioned the Prazeres fight. He missed weight. And, uh, there was recently, uh, a fight where the, the fighter, uh, passed out and they had to stop for Uri Hall, right? That one was canceled because he passed out. And, um, and, uh, what's her name? Um, Joanna Jaturgic and mentioned that 
you know, obviously you could say, well, it might be an excuse because, you know, she lost, but she said her weight cut was horrific. And she came into her title fight with Rose, you know, not even herself. Mm -hmm. And she felt that Ronda Rousey went through a really horrific weight cut as well. And those are two reasons why they started losing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there is no question that the weight cutting, um, protocols that are in use today are very, very dangerous. Um, uh, that people cut weight a lot. And what, um, some, some shows have done in Asia is that they've required you in camp weigh-ins. So for example, you have this weight and we'll weigh you in on this day, two weeks before and this week before and the day before and the day. And you have to hit the weight every single day. So you have to hit the same weight the day before as you hit the day of the fight as it is the week before. So you hover yeah. at like 155. So no drastic changes. You, know, you, know, you have to be whatever weight you yeah, weighed in. Good. Now, again, um, that would hurt the product, but the, the, the fighter safety is it. And you want to talk about brain trauma. When you have severely dehydrated your brain, the, the level of trauma is much higher. It's, it's a very serious thing. And, you know, I, I got into, MMA because I was always interested in self-defense and interested in actually what works in a fight. So the main thing that I focus on is not, you know, oh, fighter safety and all these other things like that, but, but I, I was interested in what works in a fight. And, and, and I'm always thinking of MMA as a, as a empirical testing ground. But as I start coaching fighters more, of course, these fighters are like my family and you see the things that they have to go through. I'm cutting weight is, is brutal. I cut weight and, and, you know, it was terrible, but I think, you know, as a fighter, when it was on my side, I'm like, this is what I got to do. Mm. I'll do it. But then when you're outside and you're the coach and you just feel for your fight, you're like, oh, this is terrible. And there's a, there's a video of Jose Aldo cutting weight. This is, uh, goes back about five years and they're using all these, you know, the, the, the hot bath and they're, uh, Abilene. Are you familiar with Abilene? No. It's a rub that you put on your skin and it really, really makes you sweat. And it just, it's sort of this thing that boxers use for a year. I don't actually know what What's it is. What's the use for that? Besides well, what happens? Away? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know, right. It's, it's, it, I, I, I think it's, I really don't know, but it's this <laughs> chemical that everybody puts on their skin uh-huh. and they're putting, um, Jose Aldo's coach, um, um, is putting him in a hot bath. And then a sauna room, which was basically the bathroom, right? And putting him abilene and constantly doing this, doing this. And he's begging. He's like, no more. He's like, no more, please. I, I really can't do this anymore. I, I, if I don't make this weight right now, uh, I, I'm done. Just cancel the fight. He's like, I'm done. And he's begging his coach to stop. And his coach says, no, 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 more, more. And they're pushing him. And this is a severely damaged person right now, mm-hmm. like in terms of his kidneys, his, you know, you know, your kidneys can come to dysfunction if mm-hmm. you don't have enough uh, water. Um, the way the kidney works is you have this thing called the loop of Henley, which um, is this loop, and and uh, and there has to be a certain level of salinity on both sides. And if you don't have a hydration, the salinity aspect doesn't, and your kidneys don't clear. And I'm obviously we should get a doctor to talk about more in detail mm-hmm. because I am not a physician. Uh, but I do know this, and and if you the salinity level is really disrupted, your 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 kidneys are just done, and um, and that's that's where you get into serious serious failure. You you, you need your kidneys and your liver to function, <laughs> and uh, um, uh, it, it's weight cutting is another side. So we have you know poor refing in the ring, we have um, 
head trauma. And then the worst one, in my opinion, right now is, is the, is the unregulated weight cutting. Um, which is, you know, I, you know, they created that new weight class for the women. And I think that's good because you, you, you they notice that they, there's a lot of women in between. So it was 115 and 135. And then most women didn't, the, a lot of the women they found were, they're either too small for 135, but too big for 115. But of course they're going to go to 115. So they go to all this like terrible, terrible weight cutting mm-hmm. and, um, and, uh, kill themselves. And then the minute they made the 125 class, boom, all these fighters moved up. They're like, oh, thank God there's a weight class for us. So mm-hmm. there's an argument for more weight classes too. But I think really the real answer is that they should weigh them the night before and the day of and the week out and a month out and just have something like that that they're doing in Asia. Mm-hmm. And, and if you fail, you fail and that's it. You don't fight. And then, yeah. then the, the massive disparities of weight. And, and I, I talked about this in a, another podcast is wrestling used to be like that in the eighties. You know, they would get one or two or three or four, sometimes even more, 10 people dying in amateur wrestling in America a year mm. from weight cutting. Yeah. Not from trauma on the mat, from weight cutting. It's just kids, college. Kids, kids, yeah. not even college, high school, high school too, yeah. yeah. And they, they changed the NCAA and the, the, uh, AAU and all the, all those organizations said, no, no, you have to be like this. If we weigh you and you're out in season, out of, out of this amount of weight, like, you know, bef- like a week before a match or something like that. I don't know exact rules, but if you, if you're not like this all the way through, your, your, your coach is banned. He's banned. He can't coach anymore. And you're out for the rest of the season, if not more. And then suddenly people got really serious and it got yeah. safe. So if you put these serious penalties in, like, oh, if you break this rule, your camp will not fight. Every fighter from your camp will be banned. Ho, oh, oh, yeah, that'll change things. That'll change everything. Sure. So um, yeah. uh, that's, that's, to me, a really important element of fighter safety. And... Um, Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. So we're talking a lot about fighter safety today. I, I want to talk a little bit about something we talked about last time is uh, um, so a fighter that I hope gets injured. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm going to bring back Cormier. Um, just to get your uh, thoughts on Cormier, Miocic, the ultimate fighter. Oh, right, right. The, they're going to, yeah. They're the coaches this now in this next upcoming season. And and Demetrius Johnson versus uh, TJ, right? Is he? Looks like it's going to happen. That's going to be an amazing oh, fight. Amazing. But forget Cormier. Jeez. Okay. So we're, as fans, we're happy. But again, we're talking about guys who should not be in the <laughs> yeah, Like Cormier. I think Cormier should be in, not in 205. It's like if you actually stop eating the Popeye's chicken, you'd be a 185. Well, Stipe weighed in at 220. Yeah. He's not. So he's, yeah. He's, he's hovering. Yeah. He's like hovering. He's right. still gonna, are, are they going to fight at 205? No, I, they're fighting for heavyweight. Okay. I don't think Steepy is going to. So down. Cormier will just eat some more Popeyes. I know, which is not healthy. That's another version. <laughs> like, okay, he's not cutting weight, but now you're fighting outside of your actual weight class. Yeah. Now, that being said, Cormier is a grappler. So it's going to be, he's going to like do what he did with Ngano. He's going to, you know, clinch up and, and try and do there. And yeah. grappling will obviously offset the amount of trauma to his head. Um, <laughs> and, and no, no, because you know, he's grappling more, so he won't yeah. be hit as much. Yeah, yeah. But, um, it's it's a compelling fight. It's great. It's it's, it's going to be yeah, an interesting yeah. fight because they're both great great wrestlers. Yeah. Um. You think it'll go straight to the ground, or they're going to try to keep it up? Like you said, they're going to be grappling a lot. Yeah. No, but. I think I think um, you know, Miocic is probably going to want to keep it on the outside mm-hmm. because he has he's a much better striker, yeah. much better. Yeah. And Cormier is going to want to grapple, but Miocic is also a very good wrestler. So I think it'll probably play out a lot of cage work. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and also Miocic is kind of hard to k- keep down. 
you know, oh, I, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You take him down, he kind of pops back up, you know? Yeah. So I, I think, I would, I would think that it would play out of the cage much more. Mm-hmm. And, um, this is an old fight and I talk about it a lot. It was, uh, BJ Penn versus, um, um, uh, George St. Pierre. And this is when BJ Penn was really <laughs> good. Like, not like Renaria now. Then talk about fighters who should retire early. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that he keeps fighting is, is criminal. But, you know, um, and he's, I don't even think he's a draw anymore. You know, like people don't even know who he was. What? Is he fighting in Bellator? No, I don't no, even he's know fighting UFC. He's in the UFC still? No, no. You know, he fought Yair Rodriguez and got, it was a little while ago, but mm-hmm. he got just smoked. Yeah. And then I think he had one fight after that too. But, um, yeah. you know, I remember the Yair Rodriguez where Yair just piecing him. And no, he had fights after that too. He had fights after that. And he's just, he just not, does not do well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this was back when, when, uh, BJ Penn was great and, uh, he had really fast hands. And so George St. Pierre's, I'm going to put him against the wall and keep him against the cage and make him tire his arms out. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to box him. And it seems to me that Cormier should do something like that. Not necessarily take it to the ground, mm-hmm. just because Cormier is another level of wrestler. And he has not just technique, obviously is that, but your body adapts to what you, you put into, right? And so when he has like, 35 years of, of Greco and freestyle wrestling, his, um, muscle endurance, his mu- ability for his muscles to endure long-term grappling, I'm sure is higher than Miocic. So mm-hmm. if he puts him up against the cage and just grinds him out and stomps him against the cage, you know, after two or three rounds, Miocic's arms will probably be much tired, more mm-hmm. tired. And I think that's a, that's a legitimate strategy. Completely boring <laughs> for, for your average fight fan. For yeah. me, no. I mean, I, I would love a fight like that, but, yeah. um, technique, technical fight. But, but I think it'll probably, if Cormier's smart, it'll probably play out like that. However, if Miocic keeps it on the outside, which he's very capable of, he will pepper Cormier, uh, kind of like the way, um, John Jones did. I mean, John Jones kept Cormier on the outside for mm-hmm. most of the fight and then bum. And Cormier has this weird thing he does with his hands. As I said, his movement is problematic in striking. And he has this weird thing he does with the hands and a good striker can kind of time you there. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say that I'm not a Cormier fan. I'm, I mean, I'm a huge fan in a lot of ways, <laughs> but, um, he has problems with the way he strikes. Yeah. I haven't watched the ultimate fighter in, in years. Um, I'm worried that, I mean, it's outside the ring stuff. I'm worried that season's going to be a little boring because these guys are very vanilla. Like, well, you know, what you think is interesting and what I think is interesting is very different. True, right? true. <laughs> I, I used to hate the ultimate fighter, but I found a way to watch it that really I enjoy. You fast forward through the drama. I, I turn the mute button on or, and I fast forward through drama and I just watch the coaching. Yeah. And sometimes the coaching is very interesting. You know what the best ultimate fighter was? I'll tell you what my favorite ultimate fighter was. And I'm sure it's very different from your favorite ultimate fighter. <laughs> what is it, Matt? Cheeto Ortiz. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> that was. A great season. <laughs> Ken Shamrock. Oh, was it you Ken know, Shamrock? Yeah. 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 You know, Tito Ortiz actually surprised me that he was quite a good coach. Yeah. He cared and, about and, his fighters. No, in, terms he, of, in terms of technical te- coaching. Yeah. 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 And he cared about his fighters. <laughs> um, and you know who surprised me too was uh, Conor McGregor uh, really, really was uh, on that. He was, he was a good coach. Mm-hmm. He was, he tried his best. So what's your favorite? My favorite was more recent. And I've been watching. It was the, the champions. Um, they took champions from every league around the world. So they took the LFC champ, the Titan champion, the oh, this wow. champ, and they took the one twenty and the winner, which was Tim Elliott, who 
is uses rat guard, which is my guard, which is great. <laughs> um, patent pending. <laughs> can't really patent moves, but, <laughs> but yeah, Tim Elliott, uh, he's, he's, he's the first person to do rat guard in a championship match. But anyway, Tim Elliott won it, but it was uh, a number of, of really super high level guys from all over the world. Every single one of them had at least one. Many of them had two championship belts. Mm-hmm. So you had a level of professionals. I mean, you didn't have all like stupid stuff where like, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to pee in your fruit salad or, you know, whatever. Oh, God. Was it, was it Rampage Jackson that like tore a door down? Was that him? Yeah, that was him. Yeah. 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 yeah that was him. That's the highlight reel stuff that you yeah, see on uh, Entertainment Tonight. Yes. <laughs> I have no interest in that. That is, you know, it's funny because a lot of traditional martial artists, they, um, they're like, Oh, I hate modern MMA. And, and, you know, as I was like on Facebook or something, I was commenting on some, some post and he's like, you know, it was, it was, it was like, what do you hate the most about martial arts? And one guy goes, oh, modern MMA or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. And, and I could tell exactly where he's coming from. Now I love the experimental and the, the nature of modern combat in that we're understanding so many new and interesting things about mixing and, and hybridizing fighting between Greco, freestyle, judo, Thai, uh, boxing, um, Western boxing, Brazilian jiu jitsu, Russian sambo, and we're evolving really, really creative fighting, mm-hmm. fighting avenues, uh, that nobody's ever seen before, or, or not really, you know, un- that were unknown. Maybe somebody did it in 19, you know, in the 19, mm-hmm. you know, 1650 or something, but nobody knew it on, like, this is a really great way to do it mm-hmm. and, and systematize it. But I do hate the crazy drama and the, the poster child of like crazy, stupid MMA drama is the ultimate fighter. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, oh yeah, it's a reality them, show. We're going to put them in a house yeah. and we're going to make sure there are at least two or three people with no self-control and mm-hmm. put a ton of alcohol there. Like it's, it's, the it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just ridiculous. This, it's uh, I watched like the first couple seasons and then took a break. Um, I remember the Forrest Griffin, obviously, and Stephanie That was Bonner. the first season. That was yeah. an amazing season. Great fight. Led off so many the champions from that season. Uh, yeah. And you had, uh, uh, Ken, Ken Florian. You had, um, uh, made, put the one that put Jackson's Winkle that season, put Jackson Winkle John on the map. That was, uh, um, Diego Sanchez was oh, from that Diego season. Sanchez. Yeah. He was from that season. He's a beast. Yeah. And he was the reason, you know, he's the first, you know, Jackson, you know, Greg Jackson fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, so that season was historic. Uh, yeah. And then there were the other idiot seasons that, yeah, they were just crazy. <laughs> and, and there, there was, there was an, you know, a couple years there that where I wouldn't even touch it, but it's, it's, um, it, it, you know, I really like to see, so it's, you know, you see a new, uh, generation of coaches. We talk about fighter safety. And as I said, you know, the coaches have an element to play there. And you see that the coaching level in the ultimate fighter of fighters, I'm not talking like professional coaches, I'm just talking fighters, mm-hmm. is really, really high. And because they're already segueing into like your eye favor is a really good example where mm-hmm. he was, um, uh, Cody Garbrandt's assistant coach, you know, when they, when they had the TJ and all that mm-hmm. thing. And that was actually a pretty good season. There was some drama. I think some made up too, but, but there was some really good fights and you could tell that Uriah Faber and Cody really knew how to coach. And I saw, I remember watching Cody, who's active fighter, coaching one of the fighters on how to do the, the, the switcheroo, you know, switching, switching steps. He's like, oh, you do this and switch. And this is how you stop the guy from taking you down. And I'm like, oh, and he's walking the guy through it. And his level of coaching was very, very high. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, there was an issue. We're talking about referee stoppage. Um, but there was one one of the f- seasons where the fighter lost 
And then he got another chance because one of the other fighters got uh, injured. So he took his place. But it was like back yeah. to back. I, I, it was the um, he's a Middle Eastern fighter. Uh, he lives, grew up in France, but he's a Middle Eastern background. Mm-hmm. And he shouldn't have fought. And the, the opposing team coach was like, this guy shouldn't fight again. And he went in and he got shellacked. You know, and the fighter's like, no, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And you could see, no. Mm-hmm. And his coach, I believe his coach was, was Koei Gutrun. I forgot who. But his coach was like, yeah, you could do it. Because they really wanted to, you know, compete. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, 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 you know, somebody should have stepped in and said, no, no, no. And the opposing team guy was, no, you shouldn't do this. This is not safe. It's not good for mm-hmm. his health <laughs> as a fighter. And, of course, the fighter himself is like, I'm, yeah, I'm 100%. I'm ready, I'm ready to go. I'm a warrior. <laughs> and then the coach is like, okay, if you think you can do it, let's do it. Where he should have been like, hmm, you know, maybe not. And, mm-hmm. and of course, he wound up just getting shellacked. Yeah. And um, so fighter safety is an issue. I remember that. And I was like, well, the level of coaching is high, but um, yeah, still some things to learn, too, about, about keeping your fighter as, as safe as possible. Mm-hmm. A lot of work uh, to be done. Yeah. Uh, fun fact. Mm-hmm. Um Matt Hamill. Do you remember Matt oh, Hamill? Can't stand Matt Hamill. You can't stand. Now, I mean, you know, his, his story is very um, inspirational in that he, you know, is uh, he's yeah, deaf and all that. But well, the fun fact he's um, from your neck of the woods. Yeah. Too. So he uh, he's got the only win over John Jones by uh, you know disqualification. Um, John or Matt Hamill wrestled at. Uh, he went to college in Rochester, and John Jones is from Rochester. So fun fact. No, you know, and it's funny that I believe they they. Um, I heard the scuttlebutt that they had encountered each other on the way up a few times. Not not fighting, yeah, but I do no, think so. no, yeah. not fighting, but yeah. you know, like uh, you know, they they were aware Camps of each, yeah, 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 aware of each other's presence, mm-hmm. and then you know, like, things like that. Yeah. And then there was a, a movie that they were filming the the Hammer that was about Matt Hamill, right, 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 because that's his nickname. Yeah, and then Rich Rich Franklin. Was that the fighter? Yeah. They were really good friends and stuff. And they. Oh, he was really good friends with Matt Hamill? Yeah. Cause Rich Franklin is like super, super, I respect him. He's really, you know, a great, you know, interesting guy. He was a yeah. math teacher who gave up his math teaching career to fight. Yeah. And I think he's yeah. really religious. I think he's like a. Rich Franklin? Yeah. I think he's uh, a, like a. Born again or something. Born again Christian. And, yeah. and Matt Hamill also subscribes to that. Oh, there was really? a, a church up How in is Rochester. He such a jerk then? <laughs> <laughs> there was a church up in Rochester called Trinity Church. And they also. Uh, it was an MMA gym, so it was Trinity Training. Oh, and, really? And then it's uh, kind of like because because Jesus wants you to hit people. Yeah. So they had a, it was a, it was they did a movie about it called Fight Church. Really? I don't know if you ever heard about that. No. It was like a documentary about this church that does they they you know they preach right, on right, Sunday right, and right, then they right, hit each other on Monday and then the the pastor sounds like, the, like, like, like the lyrics to a song. Yeah. Preach on Sunday. <laughs> it's a Luke Monday. Bryan song. I think. Um, but the the. Interesting information, that, and I'll preface this with maybe I'm incorrect. Allegedly, the the pastor of the Fight Church, Trinity Church in, in Rochester, New York, um, had to step down recently for uh, sexual assault oh, allegations. God, I knew you were going to say that. You know, it, and I allegedly, uh, I don't have the full source information. I am not plugged into the Rochester MMA community anymore, but I, I think that there was a big thing about that. So. Actually, that brings up something. Um, I don't know if you know that Hicks and Gracie established a thing called the Jiu-Jitsu Global Federation. Mm-hmm. And um, he is trying to, uh, which is wonderful, and he's trying to kind of unify the Jiu-Jitsu community uh, around its 
sort of roots, mm -hmm. which were a little bit more self-defense oriented and, and just bring the community together because it's very disparate right now. And there was some controversy. And, and one of the people who brought up the controversy was Henry Akins, who is a black belt under Hickson and Ty Gay, who is a, a black belt under, I believe it's Henner uh, Gracie, uh, who's Henner's uh, nephew of Hickson. And, um, they found out that an, uh, one of Hickson Gracie's black belts, uh, was convicted of, you know, like, I think it was child endangerment. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, and there was a story and, um, or, you know, kind of like sexual assault kind of thing, you know, and, um, I had a discussion with this with one of my students recently and it's, and I'll bring it here. And Hickson didn't, you know, was originally kind of supporting his, his student and that I don't think he understood, especially coming from Brazil, you don't understand how the legal system works mm -hmm. or, or whatever. Um, I don't know. I'm not trying to excuse Hickson or anything like that. I don't, I don't really know. But, um, but then finally he came out and said, I distanced myself from this person. And we in the Federation will not allow this person to be, and he did the right thing. And, um, and, uh, um, I think that that's a good thing. But unfortunately, we talked about cults and how martial arts can be a cult. Um, uh, and draw the wrong people. And, um, that's something we've talked about many times. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people teaching martial arts, not just MMA, but every martial art. We're talking Taekwondo. We're talking Kempo. We're talking karate. We're talking Aikido. Who should not be around minors? They should not be teaching anything. And unfortunately, there was an article in the New York Post, uh, and then, uh, a Taekwondo instructor was, uh, uh caught, uh, sexually abusing a, um, a child in the, in the academy. And, um, it's just, just disgusting and terrible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're supposed to be teaching great martial values in the, in the traditional martial arts, especially. But, uh, I think any martial art instructor, you're looked up to, um, and you're trusted. And when you betray that trust, it's, it's a terrible thing. I actually had to distance myself from one student, one, 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 not student, uh, an instructor. And while he never touched underage people, that was not the case. But, you know, if you were a girl and you walked into his academy, you know, he would, you know, he would, he would seduce you. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was a creep. Yeah. And, um, and I, I would be just training him at one point, And then I realized that I don't really want to be associated with this mm -hmm. guy anymore. Uh, and I never witnessed it, but after you hear the 10th story, like, oh, not 10th, it was a few, but, mm -hmm. but, um, I'm like, oh, this is, this, I can't be associated with this person anymore. And, um, and that's adults. That was not children, mm -hmm. but even adults, I take my responsibility as a, as a leader in the community very seriously and my teacher. And if you're coming to me as a, as a female, of course, I'm married to begin with, but you know, you are not someone I'm going to, approach and seduce, right? They're not going to do, I'm a, I'm a professional. I'm a professional. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I work in professional outside the academy. I have my own life, but in the academy, I'm here. If I were a lawyer, I'd be a lawyer. We are a lawyer. You know, we're not like, um, you know, Harvey Weinstein here, you know, and, uh, but every profession is dealing with this at some level. Mm -hmm. And, uh, as I said, there's this Taekwondo instructor who is just caught molesting kids and it is rampant. So one thing as martial artists, uh, people listening to this as martial art instructors, whoever's listening is like, you know, you, we as teachers have to abide by a high standard. And unfortunately there is no oversight in our community. None. We're talking about oversight of MMA. Mm -hmm. There's no oversight of, of, uh, 
of um of of martial art instructors. You you could train Taekwondo for a year. And this is kind of a, a joke with, with Taekwondo. It's not to put down Taekwondo because it's everything, all right? But it's like, cause you know, um, Taekwondo, you have to do Taekwondo in the, in the Korean military. Um, you know, cause in, in military service is, is required in Korea. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, Korean immigrants, they come here and like, hmm, what can I do? A crappy job where I'm working really hard or teach Taekwondo, which is kind of fun. Oh, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. And they'll just do it. And, and that's not saying they're unqualified, but they have no teaching experience or this. And maybe they train Taekwondo for exactly two years, but because there's, there's just no oversight. And, and you, I, I mean, you, someone could hang up their shingle without even any experience and say, I'm a karate black belt or I'm a this, I'm a that. And, and there's so many examples of people who are not qualified. And that's just in terms of technique. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about if you are a child predator, you're, you, where are you going to go? Well, you know what? Before it was like, honestly, you went to the priesthood. But you all, no, it's true. Come on. Let's just be, you know, and then, and then because, and, or you were a gym teacher or something like that. You were a teacher around kids, Mm -hmm. but those areas have been closed off to predators. So where do they go now? A lot of times they become martial arts instructors because it's a big kids business. Now my academy don't have kids. And I think a lot of MMA academies are a little bit more adult oriented, but if you look at the suburban karate market, Taekwondo, yeah, academies are popping up all over the place. And let's talk about Kayla Harrison, who won the gold medal in the Olympics. I don't even know, but her first judo coach molested her for years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and, you know, she left and went off to the Jimmy Pedro's, uh, association in, in Massachusetts and got wonderful training from a, Amazing, you know, Jimmy Prager is just an amazing person. His dad, they're just fantastic. And they, they turned her into a champion, but oh, she was already a champion before, but, but her coach was, was molesting her. Mm-hmm. And, and that brings us back to the, to the, um, the ice, ice skating. No, no, the gymnastics, gymnastics team. Right. You know, I mean, it was like 152 girls or something. Yeah, a lot. It's, it's terrible. You, you know, when we talk about safety, we're, we're talking about fighter safety in the ring, but you know, um, you as an adult want to walk into an academy and be treated professionally. You, if you have your kids training, you want to bring them into an academy and know they will be treated professionally and, and, uh, and, and treated correctly. I actually just had a conversation. That's not molestation, but I just had a conversation with a friend and his kids are in Taekwondo. And one of the, uh, Taekwondo students is not a lot of monitoring of the, of the class. And one of the Taekwondo students was beating up, bullying hmm. my, my friend's son. And, and that's terrible too. You know, like safety goes across board. How do we, in the professional realm, in the amateur realm, in the, the child in educational realm, how do we ensure that we keep people, um, safe? It's, it's a question I have no answer for, yeah. you know? Um, I think people just need, we need to have people feel comfortable enough to, to bring these things to yeah. the attention of, of authorities or respected yeah. people that they feel comfortable talking to. Exactly. Um, I, th- I think you're right. It, it then starts with listening to the victims, yeah. you know, which is something we didn't do to women for so long. You know, like, ah, whatever. It's just part of this or that. And, and, and I, I in my academy am very against, you know, bro culture. I hate the bro culture and, mm-hmm. and it, it's rampant in the jujitsu world where it's like, we're just masculine bros and, and we have this like, you know, you come into the gym and you just feel this tremendous testosterone. Mm. And it's not a very welcoming women, sure. uh, orientation for women. And also, you know what women, the women train in those academies? They, 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 there's a word in, in, in Portuguese for them. You know, uh, uh, Maria Tatami or Tatami de Maria, right? Maria de Tatami or something, right? It's the Marias of the Tatami. Maria meaning a woman. And you're just basically there to go out with the instructor or the high level. You know, you're just, you're just, mm-hmm. you know, eye candy for, you know, for the guys to hit on. And, um, 
I, I tell all my students, there's no gender here in the academy. There's no sexual orientation. There's no this. We're fighters. Everybody gets respect and everybody gets treated like that with respect. Mm-hmm. And nobody's like, oh, well, they're girls, so we're not going to train them hard or whatever. Um, we're just going to like, you know, show them a couple things. And let me tell you, I have a lot of respect for the Gracie family, but the original members of the Gracie family are very misogynistic. Mm-hmm. They're like, there's no place for women in fighting kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not, that's not a good thing, you know? Yeah. The, the world is changing. Yeah. Uh, change with it or get left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're running close to the, the end. Um, we yeah. talked a lot about oversight. Keeping, keeping tabs on things, making sure that the, that the referees are doing their job. And, and then, mm. you know, people need to just be aware of, of things that are going on. And, you know, when somebody says something, take them seriously, investigate it. You know, yeah. that's, I think we just, and, and, to- and I like, yeah, like you said, in the, in the ring, there's that, maybe we can have some sort of replay of what's mm-hmm. going on. But in the, in the, in the, in the more larger community, we just have to police ourselves better. We have to police ourselves better. And that was the one good thing about the, the story about the, the Hickson issue, you know, student, that we as a community policed ourselves very well mm-hmm. in that. And two black belts, Ty Gay and, um, and Henry Aiken stepped up and said, we respect you, Master Hickson, but this guy is a sleazeball. You got to call him out and, and distance him from the community. And he did. And Hickson did and made the right call because he was, he was advised correctly. I, I think, you know, um, once he was made aware of the situation. And I think, you know, we, like I said, in my old days, in MMA in, in America, in New York, we policed the, the, the community really well mm-hmm. and was really safe. Not really safe, but, you know, p- relatively safe, right? And MMA is not really safe. But, you know, we as a community have to police ourselves in all these issues. And, and that, that's probably where we, we need to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we encourage some uh, listener feedback. Let us know what you guys thought. Uh, how how can uh, can an MMA be better with the referees? What what steps should they take? What are, what are your opinions on 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 what can be done for to improve fighter safety with the weight cutting? Just you know, let us know what you think, and uh, and we'll, we'll talk about it next time. Um, I think big fights coming up that we should we should put wagers on. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I was a lot of. Um, Okay, so of course there's the Steepy fight, but the like I won, the one been. I'm really looking forward to is, you know, I hope it happens is TJ Dillashaw and, um, and, uh, Demetri Johnson. That would be just un, unreal. That would, that would Putting be. Putting all awesome. my chips on, yeah. on Mighty Mouse. Um, yeah, uh, that would be great. And there's Romero versus Rockhold. Oh God, I really oh, hope. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's going to be one. Uh, who do you got? Rockhold or Romero? Uh, I'm going to say Rockhold. I've liked him the last couple of times. Yeah, I mean, you know, his he's his own worst enemy. And he got he got a little bit arrogant, mm-hmm. and he just threw his hands on. And he's gonna, he's gonna, I think he's gonna take that title again. And uh, I really, really hope that happens. Really, really. Uh, and then there's that um, uh, we have to confirm the Ferguson versus Nurmagomedov. You know, Khabib. Mm-hmm. Ferguson versus Khabib. That's a great one. That's a little older in April, but that's going to be one oh, I'm really, and, um, really looking forward to. Did uh, Nama, Nama Yunus get, uh, she's fighting against Joanna again. Oh, right, right, right. That's right. That's right. When, when is that? Hold on. That's, that's quite a while away, right? But yeah, yeah, I saw you're right. a poster for it the other yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. When uh, is that? Times Square. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Let me, hmm. No, I think it's like, yeah, I have to look up when it is, but yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Who'd you got? Rose or Joanna? Joanna. Joanna. She's coming back hungry. Really? Okay. So, okay. We make a bet. I'm not doing any physical. Oh, why not? Physical I'll wrist lock you. I have this wrist lock this time. You don't need your. You have another wrist. You don't need it. 
or leg lock. I don't get to do anything to you. No, though. no, you can do whatever what you want. You do whatever you want. I'll give you a, uh, um, a titty, oh. titty twister. <laughs> I don't know how to do any moves, man. You'd have to no, train no, me for no, a No, no, but you could, you could, I could pay you money. You know, it could be anything you want. Right. I don't have any money. I have to do like, uh, like 50 push-ups with you sitting on my what, back. What if we put this out to the community? Vote on what will be done to me. Yes. If I lose and yeah, vote oh, on what I can do idea. to Renee. Yes. Right. Right. Um, and it could also be, yeah, like give me a hundred pushups or something. Like, you know, um, yeah. Hopefully they don't pick that. No, no, no. I, that would be for I'd me. I have to do girl pushups. No, that no would be for me. No, that would be for me. Okay. No, no. <laughs> I want the submission. I want to make you scream for, okay, for, 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 okay. for cutting me out of uh, What's fight are we putting this money down on? The next one? The next big one? Oh. Wendy uh, Rockhold? No, but you, you, we picked the same guy. Right. Are you so, going, what about, um, I don't know what we'll have to come back to people. With, yeah, with, yeah. Yoana, Yoana versus no, Yoana versus. Uh, you think Rose is going to win? I, 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 you know what? I'm not like a fan, fan, but I kind of, I kind of hope. Rose I do takes like her. It. She's yeah, got yeah. a great, yeah, uh, and she's you know, really warrior yeah. attitude. Yeah, you know, she's great. She's great, and and she definitely picked her apart the last time. But you know, Yoana said it was weight cut, but we'll see. Um, and Rose definitely didn't show all her tools. She just she beat her with striking, mm-hmm. which was amazing. But Rihanna's jujitsu is no. I joke. don't. I don't want you on a win. I just think she will. Like yeah, I, I, I like I, Rose I more. Yeah. But I, I okay, I'm going to take Rose though. I'm going to take Rose. Okay, we're putting. I'm going to go jujitsu the grappler. Okay, so so we'll put out the punishment there. I get to pick. People will pick a submission that I will do to you, and oh, and Jesus. then for me, I'll have to do some sort of horrific conditioning workout that you choose, like. You know, some like you know, two hundred straight push-ups or something. Uh, okay, we'll we'll put some yeah, options probably, out yeah, there. Two hundred is not on. something. I'm not we like Tyson. Where we do. don't want to have like them writing in whatever they want. So we'll pick like maybe top five submissions yeah. or chokes or whatever. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. We'll figure it out. Uh, look for that. Uh, but but I, can, I can hold it a little longer this time, right? <laughs> <laughs> you want to put me out, don't you? No, this no. This guy's no, got I, pent up aggression I, 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 for the last I, couple months. Yes, no, you know, you know, we were, you know, we're the number one podcast, and what happens? They schedule it schedules someone in our slot, so I don't get to go last week. You know, I was just very hurt. I was very well, hurt. I'm a very sensitive guy. Is, we're slotted very for the next ten years. We're, this, is, this is where we're going to be. Don't worry. Okay. Um, you'll get the bill eventually. No. Um, <laughs> so yeah, look for that poll. It's going to come on our social media and um, you know Facebook and, and Instagram, and yeah. vote for that. Um, and then please tell Joanna to, to start training. I'm going to send her a message and she'll know about it. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, we need your support. We need you to like. We need you to subscribe. We need you to share and uh, rate and review on iTunes and anywhere you uh, get your podcast from. Uh, spread the word. Spread the show. Let your friends know about it. We're back and we're going to be consistent for the next uh, foreseeable future. We're not going anywhere. Thanks for listening to the Martial Culture Podcast. Renee. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for coming in. Much Um, appreciated. As always, it's a pleasure.